Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast, a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Each episode is taken from a chapel message given here at Emmaus. For more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. Good morning, Emmaus Bible College. It is good to finally be here. Um, I know it's been a, a long time coming, but the school's just been very gracious. Um, just finishing out an interim pastor position at my church back in, in Dallas this summer and getting engaged. And I look forward to when you can meet Rachel. Um, so we drove the U-Haul up on Thursday from Dallas in the rain. Don't recommend it, um, but it had to be done. Uh, but took her back to the airport. She flew back to Dallas on Sunday. Um, but I look forward to when you can meet her. She's a lot cooler than I am. Um, but yeah, I get to marry my best friend on December 18th. And so again, I look forward to when you can meet her when she comes down. You know, yesterday I was at church in Rockford and there was one of the ladies at the church and she, she went to Moody and she told me about her, one of her first chapels at Moody Bible College that there was some new, new guy and his first chapel, um, like after the first song, they, were, they stood for the first song and they had folding chairs up here. And when he sat down for the first song, it like collapsed on his butt and like it got stuck and he couldn't get out of the chair. And so I don't know why she told me that before my first day, but when I saw there were not folding chairs up here, there was a sigh of relief. So I'm sure there'll be some other embarrassing moment, but we're not going to have that one. But uh, today I want to tell you just a little bit about um, my story to kind of introduce myself a little bit. And over the course of of my life, I've had a a lot of different plans, um, a lot of different pursuits, and most of them did not and are not going as I had planned. And for many of them, I can't tell you how thankful I am for that. Now, each pursuit, even some of the ones that weren't great, have been used by God to prepare me for where I am today. And where I am today, I'm going to learn some lessons that I'm going to need for my future. And I'm sure that some of you are probably surprised um, as how life has turned out to this point. Some of you are probably struggling to know what that next step might be. I'm sure those of you who are seniors, you're probably already tired of getting asked that question of what comes next. And for several of you, you, you think you know what lies ahead, but you're going to find yourself very, very surprised. Now, as I share a little bit about my story, I want to make it very clear that by no means have I figured things out. By no means have I consistently trusted, but by no means has God abandoned me or has his grace run out in the midst of all the changing of plans. Now, I want to kind of break down my story into kind of four different sections. Now, today I'm going to be going not very in-depth a lot. There's going to be a lot of generalizations. And so if you hear something that you'd like to talk with me more about, you know, please come by and talk with me. I would love to talk more about it. But if you're going to you know, we need to know a little bit where I come from, and um, Dean Chavez shared that I come from Rockford, Illinois. We got any Rockford people here? I guess I'm alone there. Oh, well. Um, but it's about two hours east from here, and man, I did not realize how much I missed Midwest autumn after five years of summer in Dallas, so I am so glad to be back. But I grew up in Rockford, and it has a bit of a rough reputation, um, but I grew up there with my seven siblings in a ministry home. Um, my dad is a pastor in Rockford. Any PKs in the house? All right. Look at the people who have their hands raised, everyone else, and watch out for them. 
all right? Dangerous, dangerous group. Um, and I've noticed, you know, for many PKs, um, I found many have left the faith for one reason or another. Some because of the way they saw the church treat their parents. Some because of parents who saw their ministry as more important than family. Some because of hypocrisy of a parent who preached one thing from the pulpit on Sunday, but then lived out something completely different the rest of the week. Now, I'm very grateful to say that what I heard preached on Sundays, I saw lived out the rest of the week. And my parents, they made time for each, each of my siblings and I. And so kind of on a side, I, I challenge each of us, regardless of what line of work the Lord will put you into, whether it's full-time, vocational ministry, or whatever, that you never sacrifice your family on the altar of ministry or work. You'll have to make sacrifices, but don't sacrifice your families. Now, even though I grew up in a very loving home, it doesn't mean it was easy. No one has it easy. And there's a lot of pressure put on ministry kids. You often felt like you were under a microscope. I ha- there were all sorts of people. I didn't even really know, have a clue who they were, but they seemed to know about all these in-depth things going on in my life. Others use ministry kids just as a way to kind of figure out what's going in, on in mom and dad's life. Others are just looking for a mishap that they can make you feel guilty for. It's like, that's no way a pastor's kid would act, which is ridiculous. Now, some of the pressure I, I would put on myself and try to live up to my PK status, wh- whatever that means. But during my time growing up, the Lord graciously showed me that my walk with God was just that. It was my walk with God. My family's walk, it influenced mine, but God is a personal being that I needed to get to know. Not so I could just answer all the questions at youth group or memorize all the verses for Awana. It was to get to know him, to learn to fear him. And so I want you to look with me at another proverb. Um, You can turn there or scroll there or just listen, but Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Kind of really key to understanding the whole book of Proverbs. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. But Proverbs 1, 7 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. Because you see, it's, it's one thing to know about God. It's another to fear him. Now, this isn't an afraid type of fear, but a reverence that impacts the way you live. It's the application of that knowledge to your life. Because, you see, for the longest time, I knew a lot about God, but it didn't really have much of an impact on the way I lived. But this began to change as the Lord introduced me to the Proverbs, which is one of the reasons I wanted to tell my story using different Proverbs. See, when I was a little kid, I saw that there was 31 chapters in this book, and I was like, well, there's often 31 days in a month. And so I would just read the chapter number that correlated with that day's date. And the Lord used this to soften and change a very hard heart. I began to try and understand what words like righteousness and uprightness and folly and wisdom meant. I began to see that in many ways, my life, it more closely resembled that of the fool instead of that of the wise man in Proverbs. But in this growing fear of the Lord, it it, it slowly began to change. It changed the way I treated my family. If I had any family members here and you asked them about little brooks, they would have some horror stories for you. It changed the way I looked at scripture and at church, and prayer, and and again, by no means did I or have I come to this perfect knowledge, but the fear of the Lord, it's the beginning of knowledge, not its end. And time and again in Proverbs, it talks about the wise person continuing to seek understanding. And this is what I wanted to do. 
And so let me ask us, here at Emmaus, are we here seeking more, more knowledge about God, or are we seeking to learn the fear of God that leads to true knowledge? You know, you recently had a, a chapel speaker here, I think a week or two ago, who said that wisdom is, is being skilled at applying God's truth to the way you live. Being skilled at applying God's truth to the way you live. And this, this doesn't come from just knowing about God and his laws. It comes from knowing him and his character. But again, knowing God, it's not about just being introduced and having an acquaintance with God now. It's about an ongoing relationship filled with hope, even when some hopes are not met. And that leads me to my second proverb that I want to share with you, which is Proverbs 13, 12. Proverbs 13, 12 says, A hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I feel like this verse kind of encapsulated much of the next stage of life from, from high school to college. You see, prior to high school, I'd been reading those Proverbs, and they had impacted me in many ways, and my, my faith was developing. But I also had not been put into many situations where that faith was really tested. But all of that was about to change. Because, you see, I do not like change. I often like things to be comfortable and predictable. But a seminary professor once said that change, is, it's, it's not an enemy, but an opportunity. Now, it's often hard to feel that way when you're in the midst of change, but it's true. An opportunity to watch the unchanging nature of God prove faithful when everything else around you is changing. Perhaps some of you who are first-year students, maybe you're leaving home for the first time. Perhaps some of you have left home states or home countries and you've moved to Iowa. And many of you who come from warmer climates, you are probably going to feel particularly homesick when winter rears its ugly head in the coming weeks. But you see, before I started high school, I was a fairly confident person who enjoyed his comfort and stability. But come high school, you know, I switched from being in a, in a home school to a local school in Rockford. And at the same time, my church, we, we left the church that I had gr grown up at. And so in a matter of a very short period of time, the life and friends I knew were almost non-existent, and everything around me was changed. When I started high school athletics, my, my hope of being successful on the athletic field, those hopes were quickly dashed, and so that hope was deferred. Friends were initially hard to come by, and, and loneliness and fear, depression, and anxiety was the theme of day-to-day -day life. And I wanted to quit. I wanted to go back to the way things were because my heart was sick, as it says in Proverbs 13. But towards the end of high school, things slowly started to gain traction. I, I slowly began to see God in the, in the midst of the mess. I slowly began to see that faith it wasn't about contentment because of comfortable circumstances. It was because of the one in control of those circumstances. A professor told my classmates and I that you, you can't put your hope in a change of circumstances. You must put your hope in an unchanging God. It was also during this time towards the end of high school that I started dating this girl that I had had a crush on since junior high. You know that like first crush you have in junior high? and you have to like really work yourself up just to say hello, or you try to do something really impressive or cute and make sure they see it, but then you make yourself look like a fool in front of them. So that was this girl. And I eventually, I started dating her towards the end of high school. And so high school seemed to be finishing really well. 
And then I started attending a really fun community college with several of my friends. And, and then I got accepted into my dream school. And it was like all of these longings were being fulfilled. But then came junior year of college. See, I felt like I had made it through that valley of change those first few years of high school. And that since I made it through, God was now giving me all these things that I wanted. And yes, God was, was gracious. Each day was a blessing. But we, we put ourselves in very difficult places if we think we, we reach paradise this side of eternity. Yes, we, we experience glimpses. And we give thanks for the blessings we receive. But our hearts will experience sickness. Each of you, I'm, I'm sure, have. And you will continue to have hopes deferred again in your lives. But this is not where our final hope is. There is a hope that is sure, and that is the restoration of all things when Christ comes again to restore his world. A longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Now, I don't think that's exactly what this verse is talking about, but our hope, it is a tree of life. The tree of life that it talks about in Revelations that will bring healing to the nations. And praise God for that sure hope, even when others are at times deferred. And it was that which I was going to need to hold on to in this difficult season. Because within that, a few months of that junior year, again, I was off at a school where I knew no one. I had left my hometown, my family, my church. And, and then halfway through that year, my girlfriend and I at the time, we were kind of, you know, talked about engagement. But then right after winter break, we broke things off after several years. And it felt like this whole world of comfort that I had built up for myself all of a sudden was, was torn down in a matter of moments. And my heart was sick. But as we shall see, God had greater plans in mind. As I said earlier, in my life, I've had a lot of different plans. As a little kid, wanted to be a professional athlete. Obviously, didn't happen. Junior high, I looked into a career in the military. Towards the end of high school, I had, I had no clue what I wanted to do, and so I went to community college. And at the beginning of college, I started to look to study law enforcement and become a cop. But the Lord made it so evident, you know, Brooks, you're, you're not pursuing that for me. You're pursuing that for you. And that's not the path I have for you. And you know what? I felt okay with that because I knew he was right. And so my next area of focus was to, to study history. I always enjoyed it but wasn't exactly sure what I would do with it. So I looked at teaching, and then they told me that would be an extra year of school. And so I said, no, thank you. <laughs> then I thought about museums. I loved going to museums. And so I started to study to become a museum curator. But you know what? There was an assignment my last semester of college where I had to catalog this 300-year-old turtle shell. So I had to stare at this thing for like two weeks. And eventually I came to the point, you know what? I don't think I want to do this either. <laughs> and now there's a lot more that goes into that job. And, and no offense and nothing against turtles, but that wasn't for me. And so again, I'm back to square one and starting to think like, okay, God, you know, why do you seem to be putting me in all these, these different paths and, and just seem to bring me to another dead end? Now, before I continue with that part of the story, I want to read another proverb, another one I bet you're familiar with. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. And it reads... Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. 
In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Now, again, by no means did I live this out perfectly in this season. But because of the faithfulness that I had seen in prior seasons, there was a greater trust heading into this new one. Another prof once told us that what God has done in the past is a model of what he will do in the future, but he's just too creative to do it the same way twice. And I remember feeling that way. God had shown himself faithful in the past, and I I trusted he would again. Now, I had doubts. I had great doubts. I, I attempted to lean on my own understanding at many times, but over time, the Lord did direct my paths. In the beginning of verse 6 there, it says that in all your ways, acknowledge him. Now, what, what does that even mean? You know, that word for acknowledge, it comes from the, the Hebrew word yada, which is it's often translated as to know. And it describes a very intimate type of knowing. And in this case, it's one who acknowledges that God is with him in everything. That God is sovereign over all. And is, it's also closely connected to the fear of the Lord that we talked about in chapter 1, verse 7, one commentary described, you die, you know, it, this acknowledging, it's more than just a, a mental awareness of God's presence, but it includes a tender trust, a reverent obedience, trusting his leading, even if it doesn't lean towards your own understanding. And so it was at this time of running into what at the moment seemed like roadblock after roadblock that the Lord directed me towards seminary. Now, growing up in a pastor's home, people used to ask my siblings and I, so you want to be a pastor like your dad? No. There was no hesitation, and that was nothing against my dad. But I had seen how hard it was. You know, people would often joke, so your dad only works one day a week on Sundays. But we all knew better. We remembered the countless phone calls in the middle of the night, my dad driving to the hospital or the jail, helping a grieving family after a loved one had passed. We knew how hard it was. But it was during this season in college that the Lord continued to grant opportunities to serve in various ministries. I was involved with with crew at my college campus. I was able to serve with my church. And and again, the Lord laid it on my my heart that perhaps seminary was where he would have me to go next. And that led me to Dallas Theological Seminary. But the season leading up to that, that season, it hurt in many ways. But I knew God in the pain, and I pray that I will continue to do so in the pain that will lie ahead. Now, finally, I want to go back to two verses that Elizabeth read for us earlier from Proverbs 16. Verses 1 and verse 9, because they kind of serve as as bookends to that section. Where verse 1 says that the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And then in verse 9, it says that the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Now, notice something those verses don't say. It doesn't say that planning is bad. All right? I'm not saying that. Now, they can be bad if they're done with selfish or, or sinful motives. But I can promise each of you, you will each have plans that will not turn out the way you expect. And sometimes our initial response is, is hurt and disappointment, and that's understandable. Sometimes it's relief because you knew that that was not going to be a good decision. For some, it eventually comes to Thanksgiving as you realize that God had something so much better for you. 
Now maybe it may not be easier initially, but better. And for all of us, there's going to be reasons that we won't understand this side of heaven, why God allowed this or didn't allow that plan to work out. And you know, over the past two years or however long it's been with all that's gone down with COVID and such, you know, I, I can't count how many times I've heard people say, you know, but God is, is still sovereign and he's still on his throne. And you know what? Rightfully and truthfully so. But you know what? Sometimes as believers, I think it could be easier to believe in the sovereignty of God than in the goodness of God. You know, God, I, I believe you're sovereign, but if you're good, the, the virus never would have come in the first place. God, if you're good, I, I would have gotten that job or gotten into that dream school. God, if you were good, that relationship with so-and-so would have worked out. God, if you're good, why am I so unhappy? But you know what, ladies and gentlemen, a lesson I've struggled to learn, I'm still struggling to learn, is that God is, is it's more about what is good for us than what makes us happy. And it, it's not as if those things are always separate, but God will allow things that we would not have chosen for ourselves. This past week, I had a friend from college that was passing through Texas. Um, and we had served in, at crew together at the University of Illinois. And um, our senior class, there was a group of about a dozen and a half of us, that we were as close as could be. We took road trips to, to Florida. We had led Bible studies together. And I remember our, our final evening together before graduation, all standing in a circle, singing and praying together as we were getting ready to be commissioned out from Illinois. And since moving from Illinois, I've, I'd lost touch with many in that group. And I was devastated to hear when I was talking with my friend last week that he told me that a vast portion of that group, they want nothing to do with God now. I mean, these are people that were on fire, at least to the eye. Now they want nothing to do with him. And it led me to wonder, what, what is it about our view of God in college that, that led to such a shallow faith? And no, I'm not trying to play the salvation police, nor am I seeking to condemn my friends, because they're still that. They're my friends. And I pray earnestly that, that myself and them come to see and know the person of Jesus better and his desires for us. But I wonder how many of us were, at that time in college, were, you know, maybe we were more concerned about comfort and happiness. But as soon as that was taken away, everything else went with it. I'm worried that we believed in the sovereignty of God, but we didn't believe in the goodness of God. You know, it reminded me of the parable of the, the seeds and the seed that was scattered on the rock. You know, it says that it sprang up quick, but in time of testing, it, it fell away. Or the, the parable of the, the house built on the rock versus the one built on the sand when Jesus said that everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and let me tell you, it will fall. And the floods came, and it will come. And the winds blew and beat on the house, and it will blow and beat on the house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. 
See, it can be really easy, and especially at a Bible college, to think that since we're, you know, we're hearing all these biblical things, we're around the Bible all the time, that my house, it must be built on the rock. But your time here, guys, it, it's not as much about accumulation of information, it's about transformation. It's not just about hearing the word, it's about responding to it in the power of the Spirit. It's not about knowing all the right answers. It's about knowing him in all your ways. It's about knowing the right person. It's about knowing Jesus. And so I hope, I hope today has encouraged you. I hope maybe some of you heard your own stories when you heard mine. Or that something that you heard will, will help you as you will face situations that are yet to come. I, I don't know what you will all face. But I can promise you this, that God goes with you, that he's not going to change, that he is sovereign, and he's also good. Know him in all your ways, and he will direct your paths. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, Help us to know what it is to acknowledge you today. Whether that's in our classes, in our dorm room, at work, in a conversation with a family member, whatever it may be, Lord. May we acknowledge you in all your ways, trusting that you will direct our paths. Lord, help each of us to know that even if maybe a plan doesn't work out as, as we thought, that but it still fits within your plan. There's going to be a lot of twists and turns and U-turns on our plans, but again, it's all within your plan that is moving straight forward. And so, Father, let us rest in that. Let us encourage one another in that. And so, Father, as, as we go out into this month of November, I know that this is, a, this is an interesting time of the semester, you're, you're, we're far enough along into it that we're already exhausted, but there's still far enough to go that it seems unending. Would you encourage each student? May they see that each class and assignment, again, it's not just about accumulating information, it's about transformation. And we thank you that the good work that you start, that you, you bring it to completion. And so, Father, it's in that that we rest. And so, Father, we thank you for sending your son. We thank you for his perfect life. We thank you for his death. We thank you that the tomb is empty. We thank you that he ascended into heaven. And we thank you that he's coming back. And it's in that that we trust. And we pray all these things by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.